0: What do you spend the most time doing on your phone?
1: Just getting angry that I'm looking at it for no reason at all. Usually. Actually, I use it, you know, in creative ways. I record little voice memos and stuff of, you know, they're usually completely unusable and I listen back to them and I want to die.
0: This is episode four of the Sub Pop Podcast. I am Arwen Nix here with Alyssa Atkins. Hey Alyssa. Oh, hi. (laughs) I
2: am so excited about today's episode. On today's episode, we have one of my favorite interviews (laughs) that we've done to date. It's with King Tufts Kyle Thomas. And part of what makes this one so special to me is just the history behind me calling Arwen mid-road trip and asking if she would stop by yeah.
0: Kyle's house, right? Yes, getting driving a car up from Phoenix to Seattle and I had a weekend to do it without a stereo. It was it was kind of I was kind of panicked the whole time, <laughs> but I was like, "All right, I guess I'll find this guy."
2: And these two had
0: never met. No, I'd never seen him before.
2: And they were both completely game to just be thrown into this situation and start talking to each other. But it could have gone way differently. Weren't you about to talk to the wrong person?
0: Yeah, I walked up to um, this very, very nice shirtless man with a chainsaw, and I asked him <laughs> if he was Kyle, and he said no, and then pointed me in the right direction.
2: So you know what? Actually, I think we should just stop here and let this interview happen. Yeah. Enjoy. It was,
0: a nice, it was a nice tip the end of a long day at work. All right. Will you scoot a little closer so that I can work this mic? This is nice out here.
1: I just sit out here all night. I just got this lamp.
0: It's great. Just sit out here and write?
1: Yeah. I sit out here till like 3 in the morning.
0: Uh, Alright, so this will work. Okay. Um, I'm sorry I'm so out of sorts today. With any of the wildlife out here? Like, do you ever hang out with the raccoons that that hang out here?
1: I've been having a lot of raccoon interactions recently. First happened when I went up. I was up in Seattle, and uh, we were in the Olympic National Forest, and we left some of our food out on the porch in a cooler bag. And we got back to the room, and I looked out on the porch, and there was two motherfuckers staring at me. What? <laughs> They had splayed, there was just trash everywhere. They completely trashed. uh, They'd eaten all the food and completely trashed it. And one of them was eating my crackers one by one, just staring me in the eye. And like, the crackers were really dry in its mouth. Like, so it was gone. It like couldn't really chew, but it was still like staring me down, being like, I got you, motherfucker.
0: There's something I love about raccoons, because they're just kind of dicks like that, but in a way that I gotta respect because they're so smart.
1: Hell yeah, I love them. There was two of them, and then, and I was like, those motherfuckers. And then I came back down to LA, and I looked out my porch, and there was two raccoons sitting there staring at me. And I was like, something is going on here. They are fucking cute though, I gotta say. I never planned to move to LA. I really love where I come from and it, uh, it was really hard to leave there, but I forced myself to leave cuz it was too easy to live to live there. But at that point I had been originally I thought LA was terrible. Pretty much everywhere else in the world you're taught that LA is just like full of shitty people and like it's fake and all that. And there is that side of it, which is real, but you don't really You don't really have to deal with it when you actually live here, you know? Unless you want to. Anyways, I started coming here more and making friends. And just, I started to meet some really amazing people here. And that kind of just, it just turned it around for me. Then I had this like whole family of weirdo friends all of a sudden and I, it just kind of drew me like a magnet to it. But as for what I do with my days now, that I'm accustomed to living here. Uh, I don't leave the house. (laughs) 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 It's true. So
0: how does this place that you're living, you're living in LA in general, compare to what your life was like when you were living in Vermont? What are some of the big differences?
1: Um, I guess the loitering. People don't loiter here, and I was a real loiterer.
0: Like what? Like, I just think of, like, outsiders or something when you say that. Like, what do you mean? Where would you loiter?
1: Just, you know, it's a small town, so you just sit on the stoop with all your friends. See somebody on a stoop down at the end of the street. You're like, oh, what's up? You go over to hang out on that stoop, or you you pick a different stoop, and then before you know it, there's 20 people gathered around you, all sitting on the stoop. It's just a stoop culture, and that doesn't exist in L.A. Like, you barely even see anyone walking around.
0: How much of the last five years have you spent touring?
1: A a pretty big part of it. What year is it now? I've almost lived in L.A. for five years, and I've toured good amounts of all those years. So... Uh, I don't know. Probably altogether a couple of years.
0: How do you like it, touring?
1: It's really a double-edged sword. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's amazing to to play music for like playing the music uh, I could do that all the time like I love playing the music I love the crowds I love meeting people everything else about it is like pure torture
0: <laughs> what is it like adjusting to being back like when you get back from tour I think like tour is one thing but I find that with so many of the people that I know that tour a lot like the first couple weeks or months, depending on how long you're out, can be weird. How do you get back to some sense of normalcy? It's
1: really hard. I, I, if, I've been uh, done with tour for like two months now, and I'm still trying to find my rhythm. Like, it takes a while, and and then say for instance, I went on vacation the other day, Uh, it was not music related. When I came back, I still had to react, I had to start all over again. Anytime I go anywhere now, I just have to, when I come back, I have to like, go through this whole process, which basically involves me sitting out here on this forge, just staring for hours and hours.
0: Do you have any like tricks that you try to shake it, shake yourself back into some sense of Place.
1: I either, you know, smoke a lot of weed, drink a lot of coffee, listen to, I buy a lot of records, I just like go into these, uh, like dizzying, uh, obsessions, <laughs> and then come out of it eventually, and my girlfriend is like, are you Okay. I'm coming out though. I feel like this interview is helping me.
0: Good, I'm glad.
1: Okay, well, can I talk about my hat right here? Um,. So I have this hat. It's a brown corduroy, uh, like snapback hat, uh, <laughs> and it's got. It's the kind of the kind of hat that has a rope on it, you know, like across the bill. Um, cause I like the rope hats for some reason. So I was on the eBay, and I typed in rope hat, and <laughs> this hat came up, and the hat says Ruge poo on it. R-O-O-G-P-O-O. And I said, what the hell is that? And it also has these little pins all over it that also say root.
0: That was going to be my next question. Did they come with the hat? I thought maybe you started collecting them after.
1: No, they came on the hat and each one has a different number on it. And it's just the most perplexing hat I've ever seen. So obviously I needed it. And it came in a giant box. A giant box way too big that said fragile all over it like it was some kind of piece of glass or something and I googled rug poo and all that came up is a picture of this very hat it can also be used as a an adjective
0: yeah why don't you use rug poo for me in a sentence
1: I have to give credit to uh, Gabriel from jacuzzi boys for coming up with this because he saw the hat and he was like oh dude that shit's mad rug Pooh. It's kind of like bo- it's kind of like the word gnarly where it can be good and bad.
0: I like it. I think it's going to catch on.
1: After this episode goes worldwide. Well, when you google it, it's going to say, "Did you mean roof pool?"
0: <laughs> what are you doing now? What do you do now when I leave? What's the rest of your day like?
1: I'm going to continue sitting here on this porch, staring at the moon, tending to my ferns. (laughs) He has
2: for sure one
0: of my favorite laughs of all time. Absolutely. I think that Kyle Thomas might actually be an angel in disguise, an angel in a rude Poo (laughs) hat.
2: I think we might have just named your next album, Kyle. You're welcome. <laughs> Heard it here first. Um, okay, if you don't feel...
0: If you're not weirded out yet, um, <laughs> stay tuned for this Megamart
2: app. <laughs> A love <load> of this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, okay. Her- uh, I can't.
2: I love this
0: part so much. I hate it. Oh, it's so great.
3: I can't, I gotta.
0: It's the most fun time of the year the time to make megamart ads
3: yeah um i kind of hate this well here's here's my thing here's my thing
1: okay
3: have you ever don't answer this don't answer these questions it's just <laughs> like a script i guess if you want to you can but <laughs> this is like me thinking of an ad for okay the megamart it's, All just, right. the, it's just a script so I just gotta act natural though, Yeah. so give me a second. Have you ever made... Uh, I don't know what I was...
0: Just read it.
3: <laughs> Have you ever made paper out of dryer lint? Cause I'm thinking if this music biz thing doesn't pan out, maybe we can get into artisanal paper, throw up an Etsy shop, maybe crowdfund the first few sheets. Put the word out, we're paying top dollar for high quality dryer lint. <laughs>
0: is this an ad? Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, cons- I mean, it's like highly conceptual, you know? It's like, it's kind like, of so. like, yeah, sure, we've been in business for 28 years putting out records, but like past quote unquote success is no guarantee of future success, so it pays to have a a Bravo or Plan B, um, which could be artisanal paper.
2: <laughs> I actually I love that ad. That's some quality salesmanship right there from Stewart with the weird like artisanal paper thing. Yeah, and doesn't sell anything. No. The Mega Mart, by the way, does sell SubHop. Wares and records and everything.
0: Let me just get this out there, Alyssa. The Sub Pop Megamart sells hard goods, soft goods, <laughs> all kinds of goods. We do not sell artisanal paper. We have nothing to do with dryer lint, other than the fact that if you put a sweatshirt in the dryer, your lint trap will have lint in it. Yep. So thanks, Stuart. Yeah. Please go and shop at the Megamart. <laughs>
2: Okay, so next up, Arwen, you interviewed Gazebo's Shannon Perry. Yes. I'm sitting here trying to think of the right word to describe Shannon. How would you describe her? I think that Shannon's friend Amelia describes her perfectly, which
0: you will hear in this interview, as aggressively vulnerable. She Uh is like, she is such a grand presence. And I think that Shannon is really, truly brilliant. I think she's a brilliant artist. She runs uh, Valentine's Tattoo Company here in Seattle, as well as being in a band. And the conversation started there. Shannon is covered in tattoos, has a huge blonde uh, mop of hair. And um, yeah, that's relevant. And you'll hear that
2: now.
4: Per day, I usually get like one to three random strangers on the street that will at least try to stop me or like Time Vampire or whatever. But then sometimes people will touch, like, or like grab my arm, or like, I had a guy actually be like, Can I touch that? And he was like touching it before I was like, No, you cannot. I think the thing is that maybe my appearance is fairly extreme to some people, so it makes them feel like I'm a circus performer or a novelty, and so they feel that. I'm pup, like I, I'm portraying myself in a way that is visually like striking to people, and so they feel that I'm trying to involve them in this in a way, and so they tend to think they can maybe touch me, but that's not okay, generally speaking.
0: So how do you negotiate those kinds of situations when someone just comes up and is, just starts
4: touching you? What, what do you do? When I first started having a bunch of tattoos, I would let them. I would sort of shut down and kind of be awkward, but not, try not to be like impolite. But now I'm more likely to be very firm and quick with people. If they're with a friend that I know and trust, I might be a little bit more patient. But generally, if a stranger attempts to touch me, I will withdraw myself physically and say, don't touch me. <laughs>
0: So, when you perform, I don't want to, like, it's intense, but, like, I don't want to say intense in the way, like, that it makes people, like, bite their fingernails or something. It's just that you have all the feelings. You're having all the feelings, and it's pretty great to watch. What does it feel like for you when you're up
4: there doing that? Is it cathartic, exhausting, all of it? Cathartic is the word I use most frequently when I'm describing it. I think that the reason why I am the way I am on stage is, or is a couple couple reasons. One is I'm 34 now and I spent my whole life, I'm kind of like a ham, like I'm like a shy ham. And I have spent my whole life trying to, I think, act like I didn't like want attention. And I think I just feel less scared now. So the other thing is I'm obsessed with honesty and truth. And so when I'm up there, I don't feel like I can be Performing, I mean, I'm, I can do some level of performance, but I want it to be real. And if it's not real, then, like, I just, I like things that are real. I like real feelings. I don't know. And I have a lot of angst in, in gazebos. I'm talking a lot about, or existential crisis. Not as much angst, but I think a lot of existential crisis. And so it's me sort of, I feel like I'm just, like, writhing around being like, what what is anything, you know? And so I think that... Probably makes for a more dramatic live performance, but honestly, like, I, when I'm doing it, I really try not to think about what I'm doing and just try to move however feels totally natural. What do you mean when you say you're obsessed
0: with honesty and
4: truth? I think it's like a childhood forever thing, and this has been the same thing I've felt with art. It's like I'm self-conscious about being contrived or not having any sort of or any of my creativity come from a dishonest place, because I'm critical of other people that I feel like if it's a, if I feel like people are being like faky about stuff, like the word vulnerable. Is a word that I use a lot um, that's like my friend Amelia like she has said a bunch she she called me aggressively vulnerable and I think that that's the thing is like I'll try to even and I don't do this all the time but with a lot of people the first time I meet them I'll just right off the bat just dive right into whatever sort of like really like feelings or thoughts about stuff in it that are maybe more difficult Kind of almost, I don't even think it's intentional, but I think it's kind of like a subconscious test that I do with people. Like, what level of realness are you able to, like, come to? But I, don't, I don't want to be obnoxious in that way. But I think it's sort of a screen, cause, uh, cause that's how I, I'm gonna be. Like, that's like if if somebody's going to get to know me, there's gonna be a point at which like they're gonna experience that. Like, I am, I have to be like kind of like this all the time. So, so it's just sort of a way for me to kind of filter people and find out, like, who I can hang, hang with.
0: Explain a little bit how you got into tattooing and how that's different and perhaps, like, causes people in the tattoo community to paint you in a certain way.
4: I don't think that the way I got in was actually that different from how a lot of tattooers do in a way because I I mean I definitely had a tattoo machine prior to apprenticing which is a no-no and I was able to get an apprenticeship um but and and I'm and I'm glad it definitely like I definitely had no idea what I was doing prior but um like I think I think that I'm sort of realizing more so nowadays So I have basically had my shop for a year and a half and prior to that I tattooed professionally for a year and a half so it's only been like three years and theoretically speaking like you should be tattooing for like according to the like unwritten rules you should be tattooing for at least seven years before you have a shop. I think me having my own shop um... It has caused me to get sort of a backlash, which I've heard personally and through other people, um, because they would like, you know, they want everyone to be surrounded by old schoolers, which I understand because they have all this knowledge, but the knowledge is like carefully guarded and can't be shared with you. I don't know, I've I've had multiple people talk to me about the idea of like giving this place up and just as like a, this is like, this is the way you go about things. And I get really offended by that, where I'm like, I know there's a lot to learn and I'm like, learning all the time and I'm like, looking for information and stuff, but I think that the shop that I've created, it feels like such a magical space for me. And the people I've been able to provide employment for are so special. And it just feels like not a tattoo shop. For me, it feels like a living room, like a really comfortable, safe place. And so, I don't know, I've been just sort of thinking a lot about the culture of tattooing, like how I feel being kind of an outsider in that, and if that's okay with me. I mean, I usually love being an outsider, but it's such a weird thing to feel like I am I exist in a community where the, a very small portion of that community welcomes me. I, I kind of think that I mean, the whole system needs to be just opened up a little bit. Like, there's a lot. I'm not saying, like, we should just be, like, scratchers can do whatever, or, like, you know, scratchers being untrained tattooers that are doing stuff in their kitchen or whatever. But there's different ways of doing things. It's sort of like there's different genres of music. And sometimes it feels like they're, like, smooth jazz is the only genre, and if you don't, you have to do it just exactly like that. And I'm like, there's just a whole world of other things out there.
0: So the idea is that like, if you're not playing smooth jazz, you're not doing music, right? Okay.
4: Yeah. There's this exclusivity that reminds me of the way that musicians or professional musicians all freaked out when band became a thing, where you're like, if we do that, then basically anybody can just be making music in their house, and it's just going to make music crappier. And I was like, no, I think it's just going to like open up the playing field and give everyone an opportunity to have a voice.
2: That was Shannon Perry from Hardly Arts Gazebos. Yeah, she's great. She's great.
0: Uh, we're gonna hear from another uh, set of hardly art artists next week on the podcast. We're gonna be talking to Shannon and the Clams. Uh, we'll also be hearing from John Benjamin.
2: Ooh, we're so lucky. That I is know. so good.
0: And the thing that's great about the next episode, I'm just talking about porn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she really is. Like you really got that into the conversation. I really did.
0: And then we talk about uh, Jack Bauer, the lead character of 24. <laughs> with, and porn? with No, but there I'm sure there is a lot of 24-inspired porn. Which oh, yeah. I did not talk to Nathan from So Pitted About, but Nathan and I did have an incredible
2: conversation. And that's next week on the podcast. Oh, that sounds so good. Today on the podcast, you heard music from Mud Honey, King Tough, Dum Dum Girls, Wolf Parade, and Gazebos. Yeah. You can find all of that music on our website's playlist. Our website is subpop.fm. You'll find a playlist of all the music from season one of our podcast. Yeah, you'll find all the playlists. Any song or clip from a comedian or anything else that we play,
0: we'll put on there. There's also a ton of other extras on the website that you should just check out subpop.fm. And links to the Megamart, where I know you want to go buy things, because these advertisements are really convincing. So
2: compelling. Yeah. And ways to get in touch with us. Yeah. You can
0: email us at podcast at com or you can find us on Twitter. All that stuff is there. And as always, a special thank you to the Sub Pop Brass, Chris Jacobs, Megan Jasper, and Jonathan
2: Poneman. Yay. Thanks, you guys.
3: is your position on the corgi problem what is your position on the corgi problem what is your position on the corgi problem